Blog Talk Radio. Welcome, everyone. You're listening to Living a Courageously Authentic Life. We're coming to you live from Blog Talk Radio, and I'm your host, Jennifer Monahan. So it's at the beginning of December, and we are smack dab in the middle of all of the end of the year holidays and the holiday season. And you know what that means. Um, in addition to all the fun and hanging out with friends and family and everything, uh, parties and whatnot, there's also the potential for a lot of holiday stress and drama. And in fact, according to the American Psychological Association, nearly a quarter of Americans report feeling extreme stress during the holiday time, and that up to 69% of people are stressed by feeling a lack of time or a lack of money, Uh, 51% are stressed out by the pressure to give or get gifts. And while those are definitely things that we feel pressure about during the holidays, there are many other things that cause stress as well, uh, including, you know, being alone or having to travel. I mean, traveling during the holidays is probably the worst time ever to travel with all the crowds of people and lots of bags and limited overhead space on the airplanes and everything like that. So traveling definitely is stressful during this time. Um, And, you know, sometimes spending time with friends and family can be stressful depending on, on what that situation is like for you. And regardless, whether it's being alone or traveling or spending time with friends and family, drama can occur as a result of any of these things, right? But it doesn't have to be that way. And today I want to talk about how to not get dramatized during the holidays. And specifically, I want to explore what is drama? Why do we get pulled into it and really easily get pulled into it? Uh, And then how do we avoid it? So don't forget, you can give me a call with your thoughts and your your experiences. Uh, The number here is 323-870-3896. Again, that's 323-870-3896. So let's start by talking just in general about drama and what it is. I think we all, as adults, know the feeling of drama, right? We we know what it feels like when we're in the middle of a drama. And, you know, in fact, we might even be wired to connect with drama. There are some of us that really thrive on, on drama and, and that chaos and the energy that's associated with drama. And we might even go out of our way to create drama because we want and crave that energy so much. The problem is, uh, you know, with drama, drama is a highly negative energy. And its very nature, it's designed to disempower all who engage with it. Even if the role you're in, uh, when you're in the middle of a drama, maybe you're you're making your list of demands of what you want. Uh, Even if you think that that role gives you some type of power, in reality, drama pulls power away from everyone that's involved with it. There is no empowerment when there is drama. And at its core, when I think about drama, and and I'll share some other perspectives in a second here, but at its core, drama is all about personas. 
And I know I've talked about personas in the past, but I want to discuss today how they come into play when it comes to drama. Uh, As a reminder, personas are ways that we present ourselves to the world. Uh, They're the masks that we put on, right? We we usually take on or identify with and, and become or have a persona during our childhood, And often uh, our personas are what we're known for, say, within our family or with our friends and coworkers. And as children, I mean, personas are not inherently bad, right? Because as children, our personas help us navigate a world that's really confusing to us, right? Everything is new. Every experience is new. And our personas help us navigate that world. And they help us know kind of where we fit into all of it, kind of what our place is in the world. Um, And, you know, if we were unfortunate enough to grow up in an environment that was traumatic or abusive or unhealthy in any way, our personas usually kind of step in uh, to help us survive that that environment and, and get through it so that once, you know, we can get out of that environment, we we can do so. So we all have personas. And we usually carry them with us, as I said, as we go from childhood. And I'll share uh, some examples of personas just so that you have a a, a better understanding of what they are. Um, For example, uh, one is a caretaker, right? This is somebody who, who... takes care of others. Maybe uh, someone grew up in a home with a, a very sick parent uh, and they took on the caretaker persona or were thrust into the caretaker persona, right? Um, or perhaps uh, another persona is a class clown or the smart one or the peacemaker or the pretty one or the, you know, the list can go on and on. There's many different type, types of personas. And each one of our personas has uh, both positive and negative aspects associated with it. So on the positive side, our personas may help us hone a skill or a capability. So I mentioned caretaker a second ago, right? As a result of taking on that caretaker persona, uh, a child may have learned empathy or how to anticipate the needs of others, uh, and may have even discovered a passion for caring for others, right? Maybe there's an inherent gift that came out as a result of, of that childhood experience. And all these things, right, are good things. Uh, the world needs empathy. And, you know, the person who can understand the needs of another person um, has much stronger relationships. However, there is the flip side. And our personas um, do have a, a negative aspect, so they often will hide who we really are. I, I call them masks sometimes, right? There's something we put on. They hide who we really are, and they constrain us in some way. So the flip side of all the gifts that I just described of the caretaker persona may be that you know we don't learn how to identify and care for our own needs because we're so busy taking care of everyone else in the world. Right, and and we don't look inward and say, what do I need? And we put ourselves as second or maybe fifth, or you know, at the very bottom of a list of a hundred people, whatever it is. Um, so our personas, as I mentioned, they're, they're masks that we take on, 
And as I was thinking about drama, I got reminded about, uh, uh, it's called the Karpman Drama Triangle. And it's psychologist Stephen Karpman, and he published this drama triangle in 1968. Um, and this triangle highlights the three roles or personas that a person takes on during an unhealthy interaction, which is also known as drama or conflict. So the first persona that Karpman defined was uh, the victim. And the victim feels oppressed and helpless, and they feel helpless. They're unable to make a decision. The, the vibe of the victim is, you know, poor me. You know, I, you know, life has beaten me down. Poor me. Um, and the victim does truly give away his power to all these external forces and people that he believes are victimizing him. So it just everything else is, is, is conspiring to make him unable to succeed or, or move forward with life. It's, you know, it's the system. It's the the hospital, it's the medications he has to take, it's the people that he works with, it's his family and spouse, and uh, it's the environment, it's this, it's that. Everything is conspiring to beat him down, and he walks around saying, poor me. The second persona uh, Carpenter defines is the rescuer. And the rescuer's motto is, I'm here to help you. And uh, and usually, you know, the, what will happen is the victim will say, poor me, and the rescuer will jump in immediately to help the victim. And while that might sound like a really good altruistic thing, it actually isn't when we're in an unhealthy drama or conflict interaction. The thing to remember about the rescuer is that when they jump in and say, oh, I'm going to help, it's really more about enabling the victim uh, rather than, I'll say, lifting, helping lift the victim out. And so as a result of whatever the rescuer does, um, the victim remains dependent and powerless. And often what we see with the rescuers is that they're focused on the victim, whoever the victim is in the interaction, because they don't want to focus on their own problems. So they get themselves real busy reaching out and helping, saying, I'll help you, I'll help you, let me give you my advice, let me tell you my point of view. Um, and because they're avoiding their own problems, they are, again, just like the victim, they're, they're, they're shifting their personal power, they're disempowering themselves, and they're actually giving their personal power to the victim. And then the third, because he defined three roles or personas, the third one is the persecutor, whose main line is, it's all your fault. Uh, the persecutor is usually very controlling, they're blaming, they're critical, they're angry, um, probably yelling and screaming. Um, we've, we've seen this kind of person say, uh, <sighs> maybe in the supermarket yelling at the cashier for making a mistake uh, or, you know, really taking it out on the, the call center rep because a flight was, was delayed or canceled. And you might think that the persecutor is the one in a position of power in this scenario because, after all, 
they're controlling and they're angry and they're demanding that whatever it is that they want done get done. But in reality, the opposite is true. Underneath all of this, uh, all the screaming and the yelling and the demands are a whole lot of negative, disempowering emotions and feelings, such as shame, uh, such as discouragement, maybe depression, uh, that the persecutor is trying to cover up with like a false bravado. So Karpman showed uh, that each of these personas, they actually feed off of one another during a conflict or a time of drama. So the victim actually needs the rescuer because the rescuer validates their, their victimness, their victimhood, without really doing anything to help the victim out of that state of victimness. And the victim needs the persecutor to blame and verbally attack them so that they can remain in that victim scenario, right? The rescuer needs to feel important. And in fact, a a negative aspect of the rescuer persona is that it's usually purely ego-driven. And having a victim around helps with that need. Um, It helps the rescuer feel better about him or herself because uh, he or she's providing whatever action or rescuing to the other person. And because of this, the rescuer really isn't motivated to have the victim disappear in spite of everything that the rescuer may say and do because disappears. Then their own individual value and worth would also disappear as well, right? Because how can you rescue people if there's nobody left that needs rescuing? And then finally, the persecutor has to control others. And the victim is the easiest to control because they typically feel helpless. They've already given away all of their power. Um, And so, you know, the persecutor can control the victim and feel like they are, in fact, you know, getting what they need. The persecutor could also just as easily blame the rescuer, right? After all, if the situation isn't directly a victim, the person who is trying to fix the situation is the next best target for the persecutor to blame and uh, express their anger at. Now, the really interesting thing about the three personas that Karpman outlines is that we all have used each one of them. Uh, I'm sure if you think about your life, you can say, oh, yep, I can see where I've been a victim and I can think of a situation where I've been a rescuer or a persecutor. Um, And we can all shift from one to another as the situation demands. Uh, So, in fact, I've actually seen these personas in each of my shamanic clients, as well as within myself. I mean, just, you know, full disclosure here, we're all human, right? At different times, right? So, just a reminder, you're listening to Living a Courageously Authentic Life. And today we are talking about not getting dramatized during the holidays. And I'd love for you to call in with your questions and your thoughts. The number here is 323-870-3896. So let me give you an example of how these different personas uh, not only work, how an individual could shift from one to another. So let's say that in your family, you have a cousin who is the consummate victim. He feels that everything is out of his control and that all sorts of things have miserable. And let's say that this cousin has just lost his fourth job this year. And at the holiday table, 
while you're having dinner, he's going on and on with his woe of me tale of how others have taken away his ability to work. And as he just, you know, tells his story, he describes the person at his work, you know, where he used to work, his old work, who made it impossible for him to work there. And this is an example of the persecutor, right? You've got another cousin who's sitting at the table, and that cousin jumps in with a list of suggestions on how your out-of-work cousin can get a new job, you know, trying to rescue him, basically. Meanwhile, and this never happens at a, at a family get-together, right? Meanwhile, your brother begins to point out all the ways that your out-of-work cousin brought the job loss on himself, causing more tension and more drama. And even as I just describe this, I'm sure you can feel the emotions that would be running around the, the dinner table as I describe what is really a, a highly possible situation. So we've kind of defined who's the victim, the persecutor, and the rescuer here, but then we have this little twist, right? Your out-of-work cousin might actually then get fed up with the suggestions your rescuer cousin is making. Um, maybe, uh, maybe your rescuer cousin is hitting just a little too close to, to home and your out-of-work cousin is you know, maybe being faced with the reality that he has more control over his life than he thought. But whatever the reason is, your out-of-work cousin might get fed up and then in a real interesting turn of events, turn on your cousin and becomes a persecutor, blaming the rescuer cousin for getting him in the situation in the first place or not understanding him or screaming at him about X, Y, and Z, right? And so we had somebody shift from one role or persona to another and, you know, this is how the drama cycle goes, and it just continues. Now, interestingly, we get pulled into drama because we have been wired to engage based on these personas. This is why it's so easy for us to get pulled into stuff, right? Um, we want to be told, you know, oh, they're there when we're the victim. And we want people to praise us for rescuing the person if we're the rescuer. And we want to feel strong and powerful and in control when we're persecuting others. So in spite of all its negativity, drama makes us feel better about ourselves, at least in the short term, a little bit, even though that feeling is due to something negative and unhealthy for us. And these personas are so ingrained in our being that we often just fall into the one that we think is appropriate for the situation without even thinking about it. And so we end up repeating the same cycle of drama and conflict without even being aware of it. So one of the first things, you know, talking about not being dramatized, one of the first things you need to do to avoid being dramatized during the holidays or any time of the year, right, but is to be aware of these three personas and understand and, and really connect with which ones you tend to take on during drama. We probably all have a favorite. We probably all have our go-to role, and then we'll shift into the other ones as necessary. But our go-to role is usually uh, fairly consistent. And awareness is the first step because then you can begin to change how you respond to a situation and the personas that you and the other people are using. And that will allow you to change your response to one that is much more positive and healthy for you. So, for example, are you using the victim persona? 
Recognize when you start to become the victim. And then come up with ways to empower yourself. So look for solutions and opportunities rather than the problems or all the things that have happened to take away your power, right? Start to look for the solutions and opportunities. That's one way to empower yourself because you're saying, you know what? I can do something about this. Identify ways that you can move beyond your current state. And then ask others around you, if you're sitting at the holiday table, ask them to pile on ideas, rather than trying to solve the problem for you or do the rescuing for you. And that's critical, right? Uh, And and actually, you know, rather than realizing what you've done in the past, it's like, let's just brainstorm around the table. So in short, what you want to do if you're the victim is you want to look for ways to rescue yourself because that's self-empowering. And then start to take action, obviously, because that's even more empowering. You might still need some help, as you're, as you're taking your action. And, you know, we all do at times. Nobody does anything alone. Um, but there's a huge difference between asking for help while feeling empowered about yourself and your life situation and asking someone to pity you or validate your feelings of victimhood. Um, you know, for example, you know, let's just say that you are that out-of-work cousin you could go around saying, woe is me, I'm never going to get a job, nobody wants to hire me, it's all everybody else's fault. Or you can say, hey, you know what, I lost my job, but this could be a huge opportunity for me. I've always wanted to study acupuncture, and maybe now's the time. Let me look into it. Do you see the difference between that? One's being the victim and another's being and broken free from that victim persona. It's really hard to have drama with somebody who's feeling so empowered. Now, what if you're the rescuer? Let's say you're the rescuer. When you find yourself starting to run in to, to try to save the day with the super, superhero music playing in your mind, ask yourself these questions. Am I really needed in this situation? Can the person I'm trying to rescue do this on his or her own? And what I'm doing is really just meddling. Oh, hold on. We've got uh, a caller. Let me see who's here. Hello? Hello? Hello, who's on the line? This is Cindy. This is Cindy. Hi, Cindy. Hi. It is great to have you calling in. Well, thank you, Jen. I love your show and always uh, appreciate an opportunity to listen in and get some perspective about all that life throws my way. I love having you call in because I think my show is so much better when I'm having a conversation with somebody and you are the <laughs> best person to have conversations with. Well, thank so. you. Thank you. This this topic of um, of uh, drama and the three different roles and the triangle, it kind of struck a chord with me from a recent situation that I had quite suddenly about three weeks mm-hmm. ago with um, a friend from college. And uh, she and I had reconnected um, a number of years ago, about eight years ago. And uh, she lives on the other side of the country from myself. And out of nowhere, one day sitting at work, she gave me a text message that said she w- felt as though she needed to disengage from communicating with me very bluntly, uh, and mm. that was the end of that. And I 
messaged her back and asked for a little bit of feedback and uh, got radio silence until I got home that evening and I got a long dissertation email that uh, was, I guess, for lack of a better eloquent way to say it, very dumping, uh, verbally dumping yeah. uh, onto me uh, regarding the way that she says I make her feel. So after about 24 hours of a lot of drama, uh, none of it was a phone call, by the way. It was all email. And uh, mm. after 24 hours of it, which led into the following day, the following evening, uh, one of the things that she had said in this last email that she sent to me was that she was, quote, not fully made her mind up yet about whether or not to allow me in her life. And I think uh. I, that was it. I was done. I was done um, being some kind of probable victim. Um, her life is, is on paper. Um, much different than mine. Uh, it's mm-hmm. it in some ways could probably be better than mine. She gets to travel the world. Her husband has a fabulous job, and uh, financially, she's in a different place than I am. Uh, structurally, just a lot of different things. But we've known each other thirty years, and so you know we do have a history of growing up as young women together. And and I thought we had some kind of common foundation. Well, evidently not. So this last email from her when she said that she hadn't fully made her mind up whether she was going to allow me to be her friend, that was it. There, there was there was the yeah. straw, there was the camel's back, and there was it. And I replied back to that email and decided very, very thankfully, no longer was I going to just take the crumbs that were left over. And it right. really, it, it resonated probably bigger than just my friendship with her in that I emailed her back and said, you have said now for 24 hours in various communications with me, both email and text, that you need to step back from me. You don't want to communicate with me. I don't offer the kinds of things a friend in your life needs to offer. Then I said in the email, then take your own advice. Stop talking to me. Yeah. And... I hit send wow. and I sent that email and I uh, walked away from my computer and of course, ding, ding, I hear an email come back in and the final one, because certainly I suppose somebody of her personality type needs to have the last word. She said, um, well, Cindy, fair enough. I wish you peace. Yes, fair enough. You said you didn't want to speak yeah. with me any longer. And I'm yeah. telling you to take your own advice. And I will no longer be in a position that I am going to very uh, pathetically listen to the arrogance of someone say, I haven't fully decided if I'm going to let you be my friend. So it was, yeah. a, it was a great lesson for me and a great empowerment for me to kind of do what your statement said. Drama makes us feel better temporarily. And when you said that, I thought, what? No, it doesn't. But then when it makes us feel better temporarily um, to step up and to no longer mm-hmm. be that role that we have assumed, whether it's be the peacemaker or the victim or what have you. Um, and I, I had remorse, uh, or, or not remorse, but sadness for a day or two uh, because I had to grieve the loss of a 35-year friendship. But, yeah, that's done. That's done. And the message it sends my own soul that no, you don't deserve to have the crumbs that are left over. And if I don't offer the kinds of characteristics that she needs to have as a friend in her life, then let's part ways. And it's as simple as yeah. that. And it doesn't need to have 24 hours of email and text message drama. 
It really doesn't. No. And I still hold the position that if I were as important as however however the detrimental things that I made her feel, she would have picked up the phone and called me like a human being rather than do it through technology. She chose not to. She chose technology. That, again, screams volumes to me about this very abrupt drama that she created uh, that I I do believe really intrinsically doesn't have anything to do with me. It's about something right. else in her life. I just happen to be the one in the line of the fire. lucky recipient. and the gift for yeah the lucky recipient and the gift for me was that I could then step up to my own soul and say no you know what then don't talk to me anymore because yeah. you're not offering anything of of positive nature to me in this horror drama that you've created in the last 24 hours that literally came out of nowhere. If somebody's done something to hurt us unknowingly, if mm-hmm. we have done something to hurt some, somebody unknowingly, then I think we're all supposed to be grown up Then step up and say, listen, you hurt me. You said this, you did this, this, this is the way I took it and allow the other person an opportunity for a rebuttal. Uh, you know, we're yeah, not or an apology, longer. Yeah. or an apology, or an explanation, or my goodness, that's certainly not what I intended. That wasn't what I meant. My tone of voice was not the best that day, or whatever the case may be. We're not ten years old anymore. Um, but for some reason, this time of year, uh, regretfully, tends to bring out that adolescent in so many of us, and. I am thankful, I suppose, um, it's not quite a month later, it's about three weeks since this situation occurred, because uh, it it sends a good message to my own soul. And, um, you know, maybe in in respect to that, we all can do that a little more often, take care of ourselves a little bit better in that way. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, obviously, I'm sorry that, you know, you had the situation and that you ended up losing a, a long-term friend. But I have to say, first off, what you just described, I mean, she sounded just like a persecutor, somebody yelling yeah. and screaming, maybe not over the phone or in person, but through text and emails with the list of demands trying to control everything. You sound like you were very much in the victim mode, like, oh, my gosh, Where's this coming from? Let me try to placate this person or or do whatever. Like, what did I do wrong? I must have done something yeah. wrong. And then you stepped fully into your power, right? And and, and that's what yeah. I was just saying before before we connected uh, on the on the phone. Here was you started to look for the solution and the opportunity rather than the problem. And as difficult as it is you realize that the best solution was to walk away and say, no, no more. I'm not going to use those crumbs. I'm not going to get crumbs from a relationship because honestly, you just was the full cake. Correct. And it, I think, and I don't think I'm unique in that regard. I think the, the oftentimes the older that we get, the more experiences that we have, um, and, and sadly, regretfully, perhaps the, the more, less than positive experiences we have in life beat us down to the degree that we have to be stronger to overcome those and demand and, and, and require that we don't accept just the crumbs. And I'm tremendously guilty of that because, you know, I, we are our own worst enemies and I'll be the first to sit in the front row on that one. Um, you know, it's, it is, uh, it was the only decision and it's interesting because during this 24 hours of this drama altercation, this through technology, I 
Mm-hmm. I didn't see any other solution, and it was so sad for during that 24 hours and for a few days afterwards, but there was no other solution. I, I was calm in my sadness, right. but there was no other solution because to see in print, and perhaps maybe, and I'm thinking this out loud right now, but perhaps maybe it was better that it was done through technology because to see it in print, and I saved her emails, should I ever mm-hmm. become nostalgic down the road, I will read the emails again and be reminded. But to see in print the arrogance and the cruelty with which she wrote, um, it's probably yeah. better than if I had heard it on the phone because right. then right. I could have could have talked myself out of what I just heard versus looking at it in print in, in an email. No, 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 that's exactly what she just said. That's what she wrote. She hit send on that email. So... Um, you know, it's it's yeah. complicated to to be different than we've been trained to be, or that we've been comfortable to be. And but sometimes yeah. there's no other there's no other answer. There's no other solution. Well, and you know, my last show uh, two weeks ago, I talked about everyday courage and how we have to bring that forward. And and part of everyday courage is being true to ourselves. And you just did that in spades with this situation. I mean, it does take courage. But I also think once you do it once, and I'm not saying, you know, go, you know, break up with all your friends, right? But, but once, you, once you take that stand and say, you know what, I deserve the whole cake and not just the crumbs, then yeah. it becomes easier for you to recognize when you are getting crumbs. Now, I had a question for you because this triangle has three roles. Has the yes. victim, the persecutor, and the rescuer. Was there a rescuer yeah. in your situation? Yes, there was. There was a another woman that um, with whom we, we all three have been friends since college. And um, she, when this altercation occurred um, on the first day, she really stood still almost in the eye of the storm. The persecutor was creating the storm. Uh, I was the eye of it, and the rescuer just stood still. Um, and through the, that, that evening, she stood still. She she entered into it a little bit that evening with because I was pleading with her. What did what happened? What did I do? What is happening here? Right. This is crazy. Um, the following morning, when I had a little bit more clarity, I was no longer shocked and numb. I now was angry. And yep. because again, I, you know, I, what I after had gotten home and gotten the dissertation email that evening from the persecutor, um, I then you know had a fitful night's sleep and woke up quite angry in the morning and um, communicated with the um, the um, the third person of the triangle, our third friend, and vented to her. Mm-hmm. And as the peacemaker, she tried for a lot of time that second day to step into because it hit a chord with her. She had had the loss years ago of a friendship and a third person in her life did not step up to be the peacemaker. And she was uh-huh. she felt like she didn't get what she needed. And she had said to me during the day, almost apologetically, um, Cindy, I don't want to cause more her word drama, but I want to give you what I didn't get years ago when I was in the mm-hmm. same situation. I didn't get somebody trying to, um, you know, m- be a mediator. 
And so I didn't right. have any emotion one way or another. I, I recognized very quickly that this hit a button with her, and she needed to do something for her own soul in the midst of all of this triangle drama. I didn't have resentment, right. and I was proud of myself that right. day because a normal, regular Cindy would have been resentful that, hey, listen, you're just trying to stir the pot up. She wasn't. She was trying to heal something that happened to her a long time ago and to give me something that she didn't get. So as it came down to it, um, you know, in the last emails of that 24-hour situation, the the peacemaker um, agreed. And I continued to say to the peacemaker, this isn't a decision that I take lightly, but there is no other decision. My friendship with this individual is over because of because of the fact of that we've of the things we've already spoken about. Um, and right. the peacemaker replied to me very calmly. Um, I see. I see now. I see with clarity that there is no other decision to make. The the um, persecutor, if you will, uh, is having some. And she agreed with me. Has having something else going on in her life. And sadly, this just came to try to take the skin off your back in the last 24 hours. And um, so the, the the mediator and I are my are still friends. 35 years, and we still communicate. All these three weeks later, right? Uh, we don't speak about the other individual, and I have no reason to. I have no desire to. Um, right. and I wish, I wish everyone well, you know, uh, I still hold true yeah. that it probably doesn't, that it didn't have anything to do with me. And most drama situations don't have anything don't. to do no. with the person who's the recipient of that situation of that drama. Um, it takes a really clear head right. when you feel hurt to self-talk yourself into saying this doesn't have anything to do with me. And yeah, um, when you, especially it's hard. when you're being attacked like that, especially when you're being attacked like that. And I think I agree. It's difficult. And, and yeah. that's, I think, a really good point. If somebody finds themselves being, I'm going to say, forced into the victim role, because uh, you weren't sitting around saying, poor me. What you were actually no, doing no. was you just going through your day to day. And all of a sudden, a persecutor came and started, uh, I'll say, verbally attacking you. And yes. and being able to say, oh, yeah, um, this has nothing to do with me in spite of all the energy and the emotion around it is another thing that uh, someone who finds themselves in the victim mode uh, should do. You know, take that draft, deep breath, look inside and say, did I really, you know, what's going on here? And, you know, if you did something, you know, owning up, like you said, having the conversation, gee, sorry, I didn't mean it that way or I was having a bad day or whatever. But being able to disengage from the emotion is, I think, important, probably actually for all three roles. Right. I mean, just as you were calling in, I was talking about the rescuer and, you know, taking a look inside and saying, hey, why are you doing this? And am I? meddling and what value am I providing and really what is my motivation for jumping in and trying to rescue or be a mediator or a peacemaker, right? And I think it's important for the rescuer to get to the core of this because if you're jumping in just to make yourself feel better about yourself or to get yeah. praise from others or to heal, like like you described the, the third woman, or to even avoid doing your own personal work, right? Uh, to heal from a past situation, then 
I don't think the rescuer should jump in. I think a healthy way, you know, if somebody likes to be the rescuer and and says, gee, I want to help the world be better, then I think a healthy way is to move away from that that mindset to becoming more of like a cheerleader because we all need someone who's going to encourage us and and really, Mm -hmm. you know, cheer us as we go through our life. Yeah. Yeah, it's um, it's it's. Uh, she shared with me very quickly since this resonated with her past situation. She shared with that past situation with me very quickly, um, and and I, and again, I didn't have resentment for her uh, by stepping in. I, I was oddly, I was oddly, I was angry, but I was oddly peaceful with this. You know, I had a, I, I had gone to a. Um, psychic a long time ago and I asked her I have been told that I have intuitive um, strengths and I had asked as a young woman I had asked a psychic how do I know the difference between fear and my intuition and she very calmly said to me your intuition will always be a calm knowing you may not like what you know but you will feel calm Mm -hmm. about it and in that day of this drama I felt very calm I was I was angry and it's odd to say how can you feel calm and angry at the same time but I was angry and I was numb and I was sad because I felt this relationship dying in a 24-hour period it was like a car accident and it was dying in 24 hours and um but I had a calmness about myself and the calmness I think helped me grieve quicker in the couple of days after Mm -hmm. this and even even now to be able to talk about it just three weeks later to think to myself I will more than likely you know not ever speak to this person again and that's okay I wish her well and I hope her the rest of her life happens for good things for her and I would hope she hopes that for me too and right. perhaps maybe death doesn't necessarily have to come when we leave our body. Maybe uh, circumstances can be peaceful and we can grieve them while we're still in our body and death occurs while we're still on the planet um, without real yeah. strong raw emotions attached to it. I'm not sure. I don't have it all figured out. But the the the, <laughs> the drama element of the whole thing um which we all deal with. Again, I'm not unique. We all deal with these things. And when we feel affronted and we feel attacked out of nowhere, we tend to not think in our clearest mind, myself included. Yes. But somehow in that, in that circumstance, I found myself in three weeks ago, despite feeling attacked and despite feeling sad and numb and angry over a 24-hour tumultuous day, I also felt very calm. And yeah, because you were connected means... to, yeah, your truth, yeah. what was true. Yeah, yeah that's beautiful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Cindy, yeah. I want to say thank you so much for calling in and sharing your perspective. We have just a couple minutes left of the show. It goes so fast. Um, it sure and does. I well, thanks share... for having me. And I, I wanted to You're just welcome. thank you again. It's a lovely show. It's a, Keep it up. It's a lovely show. Thank you. And I hope you call back. I sure will. All right. Thanks, Thank you. Bye. Bye-bye. So thank you to Cindy for sharing that. I mean, that is the three roles in life, and, and she tapped into exactly what it is that each one of those roles does. And I want to quickly share, you know, if you fall into the persecutor category, take the time to pause and really explore why you're feeling angry. Cindy said, you know, she doesn't think her friend was actually – 
really angry with her. It was associated with something else that was completely different. So figure out what it is and then figure out what your truth is around that. Now, let's just say that you are in drama. I've got just a minute or so left of the show today. But let's say, you know, you're in the middle of a drama thing. What do you do? And the emotions are flying high. First thing I would say is if you can, physically remove yourself from the drama. Volunteer to wash dishes. Maybe do that run to the store or take the dog for the walk. Whatever it is to give yourself time to calm down. Um, You might also want to call a friend, right? If you know things are going to be tough, call a friend who can, you know, just calm you down or remind yourself that in spite of all their flaws, the people you're with are are people that you love and send love to everyone involved um, and and hope that uh, everything, you know, kind of calms down and do your best to change the subject. And finally, you know, distract yourself somehow whether it's uh, playing with the kids or going on to words with friends and sending a few words, whatever it is, to just, again, give yourself that space. I want to thank you so much for listening today. And, Cindy, thank you for calling in. If you want to learn more, check out my website, spiritevolution.co. You can download my free ebook, uh, which will help you on your life journey. Uh, join me again in two weeks on December 19th. Um, Talk to you then. Bye.